get an opportunity to, to share the, the Word of God with you this morning. Uh, we've been talking about, for, the, for about a month now, about elephants in the room. The elephants in the room, those are the things that you just don't want to talk about. You know they're there. They're kind of hanging over your head like an anvil. <laughs> and you know it's up there somewhere, but you really don't want to talk about it. And uh, they've, Jamie and Ann have talked about uh, abortion, homosexuality, and politics. And so they took off. He said, well, Dad, I want you to preach on hell. And I said, well, really, Jilly, gee, Jamie, thanks, man. I'm going to get to speak on hell. Uh, and, you know, people use the, the word hell all the time. I mean, you, on TV, just around the street. I mean, it's, it's just like a common thing now. You know, it's like a hell yes, hell no, it's hotter than hell. You look like hell. Has anyone ever told you that before? <laughs> Go to hell. I'm tired as hell, mad as hell, crazy as hell. Give them hell and, and so on. We even, when I was at the University of Alabama, we even had a cheer, the Rammer Jammer cheer. And, and it said, Rammer Jammer Yellow hammer, give them hell, Alabama, or Alabama is the way we pronounce it over there. And yellow hammer, that doesn't mean that you have like the, the building tool and you paint it yellow. A yellow hammer is, a, is the state bird for Alabama. So, I mean, we, we did that. And so, if you, I did, I've been researching this obviously for the last week or so, and uh, around 80% of Americans believe in heaven. But only 70% of Americans believe in hell. And some, there are some religious groups that don't even believe in hell. Uh, do we have any Baptists in here or former Baptists in here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a former Baptist. I was a Southern Baptist. And you can always tell the difference between a Northern Baptist and a Southern Baptist. Because the Northern Baptists say there ain't no hell. And the Southern Baptists say to hell there ain't. So you can always tell the difference. So we Southern Baptists definitely believed in hell. We're, we're going to talk about exactly what hell is this morning, and we're going to ask some other questions. Uh, hell is a real place. It's a real place, and it's a place that we do not want to be involved in. Uh, hell is the place for departed spirits that are not a part of God's family. And we're going to read Luke chapter 16. If you'll go there with me, we're going to read uh, verse 19. It's a pretty long passage, but it'll help us to understand. Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation. If you're on your tablet or your, your cell phone, you can, you can pull that up. Now, in some translations, this is called the parable of, of Lazarus and the rich man. But I don't believe this is a parable. I believe this is something that Jesus actually saw and knew about before he was incarnated, incarnate on the earth, before he took a human body. I believe it really happened. Because normally in Jesus' uh, parables, he would say like a farmer went out to sow. But here he says there was a certain rich man who, who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. So you know the name of this guy. 
who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. So why did he die? Well, he probably starved to death. Sitting at the rich man's gate, and this rich guy uh, didn't pay any attention to him and didn't help him in any way. So he was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. In the Greek, it says Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead or to hell. And there in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and to cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you're in anguish. And besides, there's a a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's house for I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they won't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, then they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Well, someone did rise from the dead. And we also have Moses and the prophets, plus we have the New Testament. And still, people aren't persuaded that Jesus is the way. So what is hell like? Well, hell is a place of remembrance, and it's a place of anguish. Now notice, this guy still had all his mental facilities, all his mental faculties, he, and, he, and he still was thinking the way that he thought on earth. He still thought that Lazarus and Abraham should serve him. He said, oh, Father Abraham, just, just get your buddy Lazarus there. So I know him. He used to be out in front of the house. Just get him to, to just take a drop of water and come put it on my tongue. So he had some sort of a body. We well, had a tongue. <laughs> Lazarus had a finger. So, see, there there are natural, earthly, physical bodies. There are also what the Bible calls celestial bodies or spiritual bodies. When you go into eternity, you know, how many of you have seen the cartoons where, I mean, someone floats up to heaven and they're, they're like little fat babies with little angel wings and they're floating around on the clouds playing a harp. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, Plus something else here. He, he recognized Abraham and he recognized Lazarus. People ask the question, well, do you think we'll know each other in heaven? Well, of course you will. This guy knew people in hell. 
See, heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. People are in both places. He, uh, he, he remembered things. He remembered his life on earth. He remembered, he remembered his brothers. And he, he, he cared about his brothers. He had, I think he said five brothers. And he said, please let someone go to their house and tell them about this horrible place. I don't want my brothers to make the same mistake that I made and to come to this awful place called hell. So places, uh, hell is a place of remembrance and anguish. Also, hell is a place of darkness, and it's a place of horror. Let's go to the book of Matthew to chapter, we're going to chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Now, Jesus is talking. This is actually um, just after what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this in verse 11. He says, well, I'll tell you this, many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west. And they'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is an aside. But, you know, some folks think that that the Jews kind of get a free ride. Not according to this. So you have to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm all for helping Israel, but I'm for helping them spiritually more than helping them naturally. Now, notice what he said, that, that even the Israelites will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we've already found out that there's going to be anguish, there's going to be torment, there's going to be flames, there's going to be remembrance, there's going to be some kind of a body in hell. And now we find out that it, there's going to be a weeping and there's going to be darkness and there's going to be gnashing of teeth. Now we know what weeping is. Gnashing of teeth has to do with anger. Has to do with anger. What a horrible place where everybody there will never ever again experience the presence and the power of God. No light, only darkness, only anguish, only the thoughts of the things that you've done that were not right, that were wrong, the rejection of the Lord Jesus. Let's go back to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 29. This is Jesus talking. And you'll find this whole sequence again in, in uh, Mark chapter 9. It is, uh, you know, Jesus didn't just preach something in one place. He would preach the same message, the message of the kingdom, in the different towns that he went to. And that's why you'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John many times will have some of the same teachings from Jesus in them. Okay, so this is, uh, this is 
Matthew chapter 5, we'll read 27 through 29. It says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But, I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with the lust has already commit, committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, then gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So now if Jesus is talking literally here, then all of us men need to meet after, after church out in the back because we've all lusted after women, you know, with our eyes. And we need to have a gouging service, right? But I don't think he's talking about literally there. I think what he's talking about is repentance is turning away, changing your mind, and turning away. He says it's better for you to lose a part of your body or a part of your life when you repent, see, a part of your life, than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, it's interesting. The word that Jesus uses for hell is Gehenna. It's Gehenna. And it's, it's a place in Israel at that time, it, actually the valley where it was, where it was is still there today. Uh, but Gehenna is a Greek translation of a Hebrew word that means the sons of Hinnon, okay? And there's a little history in this. Hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth, before this time, uh, the Israelites had gotten into a horrible form of idolatry, and they were worshiping a Canaanite god called Molech. And Molech required for his sacrifices that the fathers and mothers would take their children and would sacrifice them to the god Molech uh, in the valley of Hinnon. And they would do so by making their children walk through the fire until they were burned to death. And the priest of Molech would be playing the drums loudly and chanting so they would cover up the screams of the children when the children were sacrificed by fire to the God of Molech. Well, that was a horrible thing, and it was corrected. It was corrected, and, it, and it, the, that didn't happen anymore after a certain time. But the stigma that was attached to that area, that valley of the sons of Hinnon, or Gehenna, as Jesus called it in the Greek language, that's where they threw garbage it's where they threw the bodies of dead animals. And even some criminals that didn't, didn't have a family, didn't have a place to, to bury them, that's where they were buried. And the place was full of uh, smoldering fire. It was full of worms. It was full of smoke. It stunk. It was a horrible place. And so Jesus, in order to try to show how bad hell is, he used that as an example. He used that as an example. So, hell is a place of darkness, and it's a place of unbelievable horror. If you read this in, um, I believe it's Mark chapter 9, like 44, he, he says there, he says the same thing, and then he says, you know, cast you into hell, and then he quotes, um, I believe it's the prophet Isaiah, where it says, where their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. Have any of you ever, ever read that before? Well, that's what he's talking about. See, that's the way it was in Gehenna. You've got, you've got worms, you've got maggots, and you've got fires burning all the time in the, in the dead flesh and in the garbage. What a horrible, awful 
mental picture. And Jesus said, that's hell. That's hell. Thirdly, hell is an eternal place of no escape. Let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. We'll see if I can get Jamie to let me preach again, and I'll preach on something happy. Okay. (laughs) Matthew 25. This is the end of of the parable about uh, the three servants where he gives one, uh, I think, like $5 million and another one $2 million and another a million. Then he goes uh, on a trip, and they're supposed to trade uh, in the marketplace, and two of them make him more money, and one of them just hides it in the ground. Y'all remember that? If you don't, just go back and, and just read it. And then the very end, no, wait a minute, I got that wrong. That's the wrong parable. This is the one where he's separating the sheep, sheep and the goats, where he's separating the nations. Verse 41, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire. Now, what kind of fire is it? Eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Why was hell created? Who was hell created for? The devil, Satan, and his crowd, his demons. See, it's not God's will to send anybody to hell. The way you get to hell is you simply go to where your family is when you die, your spiritual family. See, Jesus told the Jews, he said, you're of your father of the devil, you're of your father of the devil, and you'll do like he does. And when we become Christians, when we ask Jesus to come into our life and forgive our sins and to change our hearts... When we do that and we're serious about it, then he comes in and we're changed. And we got a new daddy. And so then we go to where our daddy is. So even in the Old Testament, where did Lazarus go? The, you know, the poor guy. He went to Father Abraham. And the other guy went to hell. Okay? So we need to understand that, that hell was created for the devil and his angels. And, and I just want to mention something. How many of you have seen cartoons maybe where you, the devil is sitting on the throne in hell? Have you ever seen that? And, and you know, some poor sinners there and the little demons are getting him with pitchforks. Have you ever seen that, you know, ridiculous little thing? Well, let me just tell you that the devil is not in charge in hell. He's in the deepest part. The lowest part. And there are deeper parts than others. And we don't have time to go into that today. But there are deeper parts of hell. There are some places that are that not as bad. I mean, how could any of this not be bad? But the devil is in the deepest part. You can read about that in Second Peter. The, the angels that followed Satan, it says they're now chained in Tartarus. Anyway, that's a whole, whole different. That's something that you could study out. Okay, so that's what hell. Now, you might say, well, Brother Larry, well, what about the lake of fire? Isn't there also a, a talk about the lake of fire? There is. Now, the lake of fire and hell, and this is really important, are two different places. They're two different places. Let's look at Revelation 20. Revelation 20. There it is. 
verse 10. And we're going to read um, 10 to the end of the chapter. Now, this is after the final defeat of Satan. This is after Jesus has come back. This is after everything's over and everyone goes into eternity. Verse 10, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open. Now, before we get into that about the books, they're standing before God's throne. Again, they're not floating. Okay? There are spiritual bodies. The Bible is clear on that in several different places. And in, uh, I believe it's Daniel chapter 12, it, sa- it says that both the saved and the lost will be resurrected. Now, there's an order to that. The first people that are resurrected are the dead in Christ. Remember, Jesus comes back, and the dead in Christ rise first, and then if, if we're here and we're alive on the earth, which it would be so cool to be here when Jesus comes back and the rapture occurs, then, then we who are alive, we're changed. We're instantly changed. From, from these old, decaying, uh, dying bodies into new bodies that will never, ever die. And I've already had a talk with the Lord about this and said, hey, about the new body, I'd like to be about 6'2". You know, I want to have, uh, you know, a really good muscle tone. I want to have all my hair and I want it to be dark again. No glasses, no hearing aids. You know, everything works. Yeah, I had a dream one time. I've told some of you about this. It's a really cool dream I had. And in this dream, um, I was running. I had on, like, shorts, and uh, I had dark hair again, and I just was running. I was smiling. And I was with Tiffany, my daughter-in-law, Tiffany. You know, she's a runner. And we were running, and there were beautiful waterfalls and all sorts of beautiful scenery and animals. It was just gorgeous and I could run and keep up with Tiffany and I said you know what that's got to be heaven if I'm keeping up with Tiffany if I've got dark hair again then that's got to be heaven and see that's what we're looking forward to we're looking forward to living with Jesus through eternity loving him having a a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. So let's just go back and and read verse 11 again. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence. They found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. Did you know Adolf Hitler is going to be resurrected and stand before God? Everyone is. That's a sinner. Now, the saints, they're not in this picture. The ones that know Jesus, they've already, they're already with him in heaven. Now, this is the final judgment. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as, recording in the, as recorded in the books. Now, if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus and you've made him the boss of your life, then your name is in, a, in the book called the book of life. 
and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ where you give account for your life as well, but your sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, but these poor guys, they've never experienced redemption. They've never given their lives to Jesus, and so they're standing there in the bodies they committed their sins in, giving testimony to their sin before God. What a horrible thing. Verse 13, the sea gave up its dead, and death, and it says here in the grave, or death and hell gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave, or hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. See, hell is like hell is like the county jail, and the lake of fire is like life in prison, except you never die, the way we think. See, the county jail, okay, oh, I got arrested, got put in jail, and you spent time in jail, maybe six months or whatever, and then you went before the judge and you're sentenced, you either go home or you go to prison. Some of y'all might have experienced that. So hell is like the holding place. And then hell itself, look at this, death and, and the grave or hell were thrown into the lake of fire. Hell itself is picked up and thrown into this eternal resting place. It's not a resting place, it's a burning place called the lake of fire. What a horrible, horrible thing. And again, that was not created for you. It was not created for any man. Hell was not created for Osama bin Laden. That's probably where he is last time I checked. Although, you know, I'm not his judge. But it was created, hell was created for the devil and his angels. But people that follow the devil, that's where they go. That's where they go. Well, then the question simply becomes, uh, uh, Brother Larry, this is not good news. <laughs> well, here comes the good news. The good news that you can escape hell and, and enjoy eternity with Jesus and his family. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to enjoy the delights of the new heaven and the new earth with a new body. You won't be married how about that? Won't have to worry about a lot of things that we worry about in this life. Relationships will be perfect. Our bodies will be perfect. And we'll just enjoy loving and serving Jesus and each other for all eternity. Now, is there going to be work to do? Absolutely. I don't know exactly what type. But, I mean, we were created to be workers, right? We were created to do things. Well, how do we escape hell? Well, first thing, again, I want you to understand this. God never sends anyone to hell. When people die, they just go to their spiritual daddy. Jesus is the Savior, not the hell sender. And we need to remember that. 
So how do we do this? If, if you're concerned at all this morning about whether or not there's hell in your future, that needs to be changed today. And here's what you do. You repent. You make Jesus the boss of your life, Lord. Lord means boss in South Georgia. And you live for him. You make him boss. Don't be like me. I mean, I was a, I was a little baptized unsaved church member for 14 long, miserable, pathetic years. I joined the church when I was eight years old, and I, I went, you know, went under the water. They baptized me. I went down a little dry center and came up a little wet center. I was just joining the church. Had, there was no Jesus in my heart. I knew about him mentally, but I wasn't giving my life to him. I was just doing it because that's what little eight-year-old Baptist boys do. They join the church. Maybe you experienced that as well. But there was a time, 14 years later, when I was uh, in my senior year in college, there was a time there uh, when I had a face-to-face encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And my sins were before me. And I said, please forgive me. I'm arrogant, I'm angry, I'm mean, I drink too much, I treat people wrong, I'm full of sin. If you want this old worn out guy, you can have, you can have me. Remember those, the song, Just As I Am? Well, that's the way Jesus will take you. And so I gave my life to Jesus just before my 22nd birthday. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. And if you've never done that, or maybe you're just really not sure. Maybe you were like me. You went to church as a kid, and then you, quote, got away from God. Boy, it's time to get back. It's time to get right with God. I mean, hell, the elephant in the room, hell, when you paint the picture of what it's really like, my goodness, no one wants to go there. So you have to repent. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus or that Jesus is Lord, and again, the, Lord, the word Lord means what? Boss. You make Jesus boss. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But there's got to be repentance. See, there's, when you make him boss, that's repentance. That's repentance. You know, there's a lot of difference. If you know uh, a business person, you know a business person, maybe you go in there and you uh, wear their clothes, eat their food, whatever their business is. That's one thing. But when you go to work for them, they become your boss. You submit your life to them from 8 to 5, 5 days a week or whatever the hours are. And that's what it is. You move into a relationship. Instead of just knowing about God, you move into a relationship where you know God. And that's what salvation is all about. Like, uh, and, it, and it's not about getting good enough. Like Jamie likes to say, it's not about perfection. It's about connection. And that's, that's what we want to do. If you don't know the Lord this morning or you're away from God, 
then it's time to get right with him. See, in my state as an unsaved young man, uh, I used to go up, you know, I'd hear a good sermon at church, and because I'd been baptized as a kid, I thought I was saved. I thought I got it. I just didn't get it. Sometimes you get it up here, but you don't get it down here, right? And so they'd give invitations, and in that church they gave invitations that people, you could either get saved or you could rededicate your life. And I'd go down. I'd, man, I almost wore my rededicator out, you know, going down. I'm here to rededicate my life again. And, and then I'd go out the next week and live the same way that I lived the week before because there was no heart change. There's got to be a heart change. When Jesus invaded my life and changed me, my language changed, my, my desires changed, and it wasn't all instantaneous. Some of it was. And then some of it is kind of like peeling an onion, and th- that onion's still getting peeled. I'm still changing, still changing. But it's, it's the right thing to do to give your life 100% to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just so you'll miss hell, although that's really, really important, but also so that you can live with him and love him and be part of him and he's part of you forever and ever and ever. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Our sins can be forgiven and we can be changed and empowered. And then we can go out and we can get some more. We can increase the size of God's family. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that hell is enlarging itself. Just so it can take in the amount of people that are going there. Well, I think we ought to change that. I think we ought to get so many people changed that hell has to say, Hey, boys, we need to go back into the shrink mode. Would you stand, please? If the altar ministry team would come on up.